Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. The reason we're doing a series on identity is because I really do believe it's one of the most important discoveries that you can make in life is over yourself, what your identity is. And when you discover what your identity is, it will shape how you think. It will shape how you speak. It shapes so many things in life, especially how you start to see the world. Now, last year, the the phrase, who am I, was searched in Google 1.2 million times. And that might not seem really extreme, but it's a pretty interesting question to ask Google. 1.2 million people were hoping that Google would answer the question for them. And I, I find that to be astonishing. So this series is about providing a simple truth to a seemingly complicated question of who you are. So let me ask you the question. Uh, Who do you think you are? This sounded like I had some sass behind it. It was meant to be said like that. You know, like, who do you think you are? Uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard that phrase before, maybe from your wife, um, maybe from a teacher, your, your parents, you know, something like that, you know, who do you think you are? But actually, it is a very important question to ask yourself because who you think you are has a lot to do with your identity. Yeah. So it's a question that a lot of people are asking. And even if you haven't Googled it, a lot of people have been asking that question. What's amazing to me is how often we can be asking that question internally. And then just as we walk through life, attaching our identity to things that we think make us important or make us valuable. I remember years ago, I had just got my license and I decided to visit my dad at his workplace. And the place that he worked at had like a security guard, uh, you know, box and, and office at, you know, the front gate. They had boom gates. And I drove into the uh, driveway right up to the, to the guard's box and they came out to see me. And they said, um, what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm here to visit my dad. And they had this moment where they looked at each other. They, they kind of scoffed. Has anybody ever scoffed? <laughs> They're like, oh, yeah. And they kind of smirk at each other, a sort of almost eye roll moment. And they said, okay, and who's your dad? Because a lot of people work there. I said, oh, it's Bruce Fagelins, right? And they go, oh, you're Bruce's boy. I said, yeah. And they go, uh, let the gates go up. They go, you could go straight through. Do you know where you're going? I said, yes, I do. And I said, I've been here before. They're like, oh, go straight through. Any issues, come back and see us, right? So I guess at that moment, I was like, my dad's kind of a big deal. That felt good, you know? I, I wasn't a big deal. He was, you know, but I was attached to that. You know, like I kind of felt like I was attached to, to him being a big deal. Can you imagine if I, if I put my identity in that moment where I said, I'm a big, we are now by association, I am a big deal, you know? And, and I attached my, not only my identity, but my value to what? Our heritage, to my name. That would have been a really big mistake because guess what? He doesn't work there anymore. So if I tried to go in there right now and say, uh, you know, my dad is Bruce Franklin, they would have said, we don't know who that is. Like, off you go. So it wouldn't work for me. How foolish it would be for me to put my identity into something that's shifting and moving and transient. And yet we live in a world where so many people are putting their identity into things that just keep moving. 
we've got to be really careful about where we put our identity. If my identity was in that moment and it was all about that and I carried that for the rest of my life, uh, right now I'd be depressed. I'd be, I'd be shattered because, you know, like who, who am I now if I, if I don't have permission to go in? Like who, who am I? It's funny how we attach our identity to things that really just aren't that important. Your identity is who you think you are. It's all about who you think you are, the thoughts that you have of yourself. And I've discovered that you can put your identity into almost anything. And that sounds complicated and it can become complicated. It's absolutely very risky, depending on where you put it. It's, it's a very risky venture to take. Have you ever met somebody at like a party or a function or something? And they say to you, hello, nice to meet you, introduce yourself. And then they say, so what do you do? And then you say, I am an accountant. I am a personal trainer. I am a chippy, right? Now, maybe I'm reading into this too much. And maybe it is just our vernacular. It's, it's, it's language, it's, it's how we speak. But it's interesting when people say, what do you do? And they say, this is who I am. And I think it's true. I think that people will often determine their value based on what they do or maybe what they've done, but that's not who you are. So who you are has got to be something completely different to that. So let's just take the journey for just a moment, try to figure out what we could really put our identity in. Now, I think we are living in a world that's having an identity crisis. It's not hard to see. Just go on social media, spend a couple of minutes and people are putting their identity into things that you really probably shouldn't put your identity in. Let me give you an example. There's a whole group of people right now that are putting their identity into their sexuality. Right, they say, so their um, sexual orientation is this way or that way. And it's so intrinsic to them that they put their identity in that expression of their sexuality. And I think, wow, that's, that's, that's probably not a really good idea. Whatever the expression is, it's probably not a really good idea. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Like, let's just imagine, and, and hopefully this never happens, but it will at some point because we understand the world that we live in. If somebody was to put their identity in their sexual orientation and thereby their sexual expression, imagine if they were in a horrific accident and made, that made them a quadriplegic from the neck down, okay? Now they can give no longer give that kind of expression to what's so important to them. I wonder what happens to the soul of a person who put their identity completely in something they can no longer do. And I feel like it would just get ripped apart. And I think we see that. It happens over and over. People put their identity in all kinds of things. But guys, when we talk about putting your identity in your sexual orientation, it's just a preference. You shouldn't put your identity into your preferences. It'll start to make more sense. I wonder how many people would put their expression of who they are in their body. Like if I said to you, how do you describe yourself? 
I wonder how many people would think of their physical appearance. Appearance. This is who I am. They start to describe themselves physically. Well, you know, I'm, I'm this tall. You know, this is, you know, they start to say it. Now, we live in a world where people um, have made their uh, physical beauty their brand identity on social media. This happens a lot. You know, and, and you know, their, their name has become their brand. Anyone that's got them is on Instagram or any, anything, right? Their name can really easily become their brand. So they'd be very selective about the kind of photos that they put up. I wouldn't be caught dead here. This is where I shop. This is what I do, right? Only the best shots make it. This is who I am all time, total lie. But anyway, you know, it, the, the, it, their name has become their identity. Now, again, now let's hope that this never happens. But guys, we live in the real world. Imagine if someone w- that, you know, they were like an Instagram model or something like that and their entire life was caught up in their appearance but they were in an accident and just completely disfigured changed their appearance what would happen to their soul in that moment well they'd be crushed their soul would be ripped in half because they can no longer be this projection of who they thought they were people have a projection of who they think they are if I asked you to describe yourself maybe you would say you know I'm this or I'm that you know I'm tall I'm short You know what's fascinating to me is whenever we describe ourselves as anything, it's always in relation to something else, right? And and what are we, what's the benchmark? What are we averaging it against? Like if I said to you, um, you know, tell me about yourself and you said, I'm tall, I'd say, compared to what? The average? Which country are you in? People are different heights in different countries, right? You just thought of a country right then, didn't you? You know, what if you said, I'm tall? I say, compared to what? Where have you been hanging out? Oh, kindergarten. Okay, all right. Well, maybe the reason that you feel you're a a kindergarten teacher, right? Maybe the reason that you feel tall is because you're hanging around with little children, right? Well, let's take you and put you with the adults and see if you feel tall then or go to an NBA game or something and and walk, just walk around see how you feel then you say I'm tall I'm short I'm this way I'm that way my nose is too small my nose is too big I'm this I'm that you know, people are always describing themselves whatever you are too whatever you are it's in reference to something else does that make sense yeah. so so there's this you know inequality of standard that we have sometimes when we're trying to describe who we are it's easy you you can do this kind of thing with with your body you could put your identity into that and and you know, you're just thinking about who you are in terms of your physical attributes. What if we just stepped away from that for a moment and just looked at, um, you know, how you interact with people? What about that? What if you said, uh, I'm loud? We would say, we know, um, you know, but you say, I'm, I'm loud, I'm quiet, I'm introvert, I'm extrovert. Okay, look, you might be all of those things and maybe those things are true, but guys, that's not your identity, that's your personality. And I feel like the more we start to drill down on what your identity really is, we're starting to whittle away and you're like, gosh, yeah, you're right. It's, it's not this and it's not that. So what is it? What's interesting is how some people will actually define themselves not by what they have done, not by what they look like, not by what they think they are, but what they think they aren't, <laughs> what they're not. And a person that describes themselves like that, honestly, they probably have some insecurities. So if I was to say to you, right, Um, tell me about yourself. And you said, well, I'm not very good at whatever that is. I think that's an interesting way to define yourself. Like if you're you're talking about what you're not good at, 
And that's like your opener. Yeah, tell me, tell me about yourself. Well, I'm not very this and I'm, I'm not very that. I'm, I'm, I'm weak. I'm, I'm not very smart. You know, I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. If you start to think like that and define yourself that way, yeah, that, that, that's a really bad idea. How much value could you put in what you're not? And why would that be a good place to start when it comes to your identity? You know, in the last couple of years, now I'm just going to be really transparent with you right now. In the last couple of years, as a family, we've celebrated me being able to clap in time with the beat while we're listening to worship. Thank you. No, thank you. Shh, shh, guys, thank you, right? Um, because, you know, I, I, I'm not really, I don't have musical talent or, or, or gift or ability. But imagine if I started to define myself by what I was not good at to the exclusion of all the things that I might be all right at. You know, that would be a really bad idea to put my identity into that. But, but you know, we can't define ourselves by what we're not. We can't define ourselves by what we do. All right, what about this? What if you were a very spiritual person and you said, I define myself by my gifts and my calling? I'm sure people do that, right? So here's what I think. Well, in, in, in uh, Christianity, we have this thing called the apest, a prophet uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher, the apest. And I try to think about those as streams, right? So, so you might be in the apostolic stream per se, and the expression of that in your secular life is that you're an entrepreneurial business person. That's what you do, you know? Maybe you're, you're pastoral, and so the secular expression of your spiritual giftedness is expressed in hospitals, you know, and you look after people or whatever it is. So we kind of find ourselves a little bit in these streams. It's just our natural giftings, or, or, or um, our, our spiritual giftings being expressed in our natural life. Now, think about this. If you define yourself that, that way, that might not be so good either. Look, take me for example. So what, what's my calling? Well, I'm, I'm called by God to be a pastor here at Bright Church. So I am in this position where my calling and my workplace are kind of one. Like I find that for me, these two things are coming together. So there's this, you know, real easy tendency for me to put my identity into my title because it also happens to be my calling, right? So, but, but what if... What if for whatever reason I could no longer function in this capacity and I couldn't do this job? What would happen to my soul then? Oh, I'd be crushed. I'd be destroyed. Why? Well, this is who I am. And if I'm not this, what, what could I possibly be? It's funny, people will put their lives, in, their, their, their expression of who they are into a lot of things. I had a friend of mine who, um, the kind of guy that would really make you sick. I'll, I'll tell you why, right? He's a good friend, but make you sick. We would go to the gym, right? And, and the rest of us are there working out, you know, trying to get some muscle. And this friend of mine could stroll through the gym, glance at the dumbbells, and without even trying, his biceps would just grow. Make you sick, you know? And I, it, it was like there's a, there's, a, there's a bodybuilding gym anointing that would fall only on him, not the rest of us, only on him, and, and he would just get bigger, right? We hated it. So anyway, um, I remember this one time he couldn't work out, and he said to me, right, because his arms were starting to get a little bit smaller. He hadn't walked through a gym any time recently. And he said, he said this, he goes, but I'm, I'm Big Arms Andy. If I'm not Big Arms Andy, I'm nothing, right? <laughs> and, and, and we kind of laughed because he's only, he's only joking about it, right? But 
He said it. So there's something like he knew who he was, you know. So, so sometimes what we do is we put who we are or the value of who we are into things that we can accomplish, things we do, our preferences, um, you know, our, our self-expression, you know. And I'm saying to you that maybe that's not a good idea to put our identity into any of those things, right? Now, the Apostle Paul, he knew this, he understood this, and he speaks about it in the book of Philippians. Now, I'm about to read a scripture to you. And when I do this, right, you've got to understand, this is like a resume of what Paul has accomplished. His amazingness, and let's see if it's really impressive to you. It's probably not because you don't live back in this day, but back then, this was certainly remarkable. Uh, Paul the Apostle says, I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. So obviously people are saying they think they're a big deal or something, you know. And he says, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Translation or subtext, right? You think you're good, I'm better than you. You think you're anything, I have more reason to be something than you. He says in verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day. I guess we really started the pinnacle of all things achievement right there. How many of you were, no, I'm only joking. Like, no, 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 no. I'm so glad no one put their hands up, right? <laughs> all right. So, so I say that to you and you're like, is that an achievement? Evidently, yes, because he brings it up. Why, why would you write about it if it wasn't important? So circumcised on the eighth day. Woo. All right. Of the people of the tribe of Israel, fair enough. Of the tribe of Benjamin. Okay, now we're cooking, right? A Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. Oh my gosh, a Pharisee? You kidding me? This is the kind of thing where Paul would walk in and be like, that's Paul. Uh, They would probably call him Saul. They go, oh, that's Saul, Pharisee. He's a Pharisee. Do you know where he's from? Tribe of Benjamin. Um, You know, so it's impressive. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Oh, this is like straight fire. Um, Persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Wow. Impressive, right? Well, yeah, that was underwhelming. I, mean, I kind of picked it, you know. You're like, there's not a lot about what I just said that totally impressed you, right? But you weren't living back in ancient Israel, right? So, so if you're living back then, they're like, yeah, all right, you got me. You're pretty good. You, you got a lot of things going for you then. And, and Paul brings up all of these accomplishments, achievements, things that he's got, his heritage. And he brings up all of those things. And he's kind of saying, I've got a reason to be confident, but I think we know where he's going. He's sort of saying, is it worth putting your identity in, in, in any of all of those things. Like, could you put your identity into your achievements, into your heritage? Could you put your identity into your calling, the expression of your ministry, your job? Like, could you put your identity in any of those things? And, you know, even if you could, is it a good idea? Probably not. So as we start to whittle away at this thing, it's like, well, if you strip all of that stuff away, like, honestly, what is left? What is left? It's interesting. Sometimes we, we have thoughts about ourselves. What do you think about you has a lot to do with your identity, but where we get that information from is interesting. Let me ask you another question. If I asked you to tell me, what do people think about you? And you answered that question, well, maybe that's where you're getting your identity. It's about what other people say about you. You wear the labels that other people give you. Now, it can, it can work for you, of course. Like if somebody said, you are really funny, you're like, yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm funny. I'm, I'm a funny guy. You know, that's, that feels good, right? And they say, you're so smart. Yep, you're right. It's true. I am. I'm very smart. You know, it feels good, right? Up until someone says, 
you are an idiot, right? <laughs> and then you're like, hang on, what? <laughs> Uh, am I? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, see how it felt good until it didn't? Yeah. See, see, see how wearing the label that another person gives you seems like a good idea at the time, as long as it's nice, yeah. as long as people saying good things, the moment they say something bad about you. And how many people do you know that wear the labels that other people give them? Yeah. Yeah. I think it happens to people all the time. Now, are other people's opinions important to you? Yes, they are. I'll just answer the question for you. Yes, they are. Some, some of you are here and you're like, I don't care what anyone thinks. Yes, you do. You do, right? You, you just might care less than other people, but you do care what other people think about you. Um, now, when we're thinking about what other people say about us and, and the, the kind of labels they give, here's an important thing for you to realise. Whatever people say, that really is just their opinion, right? It's just their opinion doesn't mean that it's right. It just means that it's their opinion, but, but it matters to you. So, so and, and to be honest, a lot of it can stick. So if other people's opinions and what they say about you, if it matters, surely we should, have, we should just have universally some kind of scale that determines who gets to really label us, right? Like whose opinion matters most? And some of you are thinking, oh, it's my family or it's this or that, right? Well, not every family can say that because some people come from horrible families that would say terrible things about them. Should they lean into that? No. So it gets really hard. Like, who should we lean into? Whose opinion? Because we got remember, guys, we got to weight this stuff, right? We're always trying to weigh things up in life, right? So whose opinion is going to weigh the most in our life? Well, surely if we're we're taking on the labels that other people give us, and if their opinion matters at the absolute apex, at the pinnacle of opinions that should matter to us, surely it should be God's, yeah. right? Why? Well, because <laughs> He's God. Because He's the Lord God Almighty. All right? Because He breathes out stars. All right? Because He's created everything that you've ever known and everyone you've ever known. Oh, and He knows everything. I feel like I'm building a very good case for this, all right? So, so you, you look at all of this, right? Why should we listen to Him? Well, because He's God. So here's a really important question for you to, to answer or to at least ask, who does God say I am? Yeah. And that opinion should matter most to you because He's your Creator, right? All right, well, the psalmist writes about this. I'm going to read to you out of Psalm 139, verse 13. He says, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Can I ask, do you, do you think that you, you, that your life is honestly just the product of complete randomness and you are lucky to even be alive, that it just happened to be you that, that made it out of all the possibilities. And it's just luck that your, your mum and dad found each other and you're just the result of biology that, that, you know, sure, now you're finding purpose, but it's lucky you even exist because it could have been someone else. Anyone could have been born. You just happened to be here. Is that what you think? Because if that's what you think, the Scriptures would say something completely different to that. The Scriptures would tell us that you were planned, you were purposed, you are loved, you are planned by God. Now, what I just said should radically redefine the thoughts you even have of yourself. Because you're not chance. God made you. 
there's purpose on your life. He created you with a purpose. You are handcrafted by God. I remember um, Sarah and I went out to Hillsville a while ago and we're going through some of the gift stores that they've got there. (laughs) Have you ever picked up something and you thought you could determine its value and then you turned it upside down, looked at the price and just put it back slowly? (laughs) Have you ever done that? And you're like, and for some reason, your eyebrows always go up. Ooh. Okay. Oh, oh, look at that. Okay, put it back. Right? And then you say, kids, out of the store now. All right? So, <laughs> and you're like, I wish I, I, wish I knew um, how much this costs. So sometimes I see things and I can't really determine their value, right? And, and some things are just so expensive. So I put it back and I see a little tag on it. It's like handmade. Have you noticed that things that are made by hand, they're always more expensive? Because yeah. it's not some machine that's just spitting things out. So I pick up this you know, vase and I look at it and I go, why is this so expensive? Because someone has crafted this. You know, have you ever seen people do um, like glass blowing where, they, where they, they like blow into it and it sort of, you know, inflates it and then they can shape it and mold it, right? Somebody took this, you know, thing that was a formless nothing and they breathed into it and they made it and then they began to shape it. You you do see where I'm going with this, don't you? It's exactly the same with you. You are handmade by God. You are shaped by Him. He planned you. He purposed you. He breathes into you. It's exactly the same. And, and like when we're trying to determine our value, sometimes we see things. We don't understand the value that's on something. Sometimes we look at ourselves. We don't see the value that's on us. Have you ever noticed that the person that sets the price is the creator? They're like, this is how much this is worth. And then they sell it in a store. The, the creator knows how much something is worth, but people don't. We don't even always understand how much we are worth. Have you ever looked in the mirror? Been you know, just a little disappointed with what you see after winter, you know. You're not summer ready. Guys, we've got time, you know. <laughs> and, and you're like, oh, I wish, my, I wish my body was more like this or I wish I was more like that if I just had to look like this. Or, you know what I would have liked? Tanned skin. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Where were you two on that one? Like, you know, like that would have been so great for me, right? But it, it's, it's just not my my grace now i might have i might have an opinion about me you might have an opinion about you you look in the mirror and you say well i do like this and i don't like that right but guys you know what it's still just an opinion just happens to be yours so we're trying to weight everybody's opinions and doesn't it make sense to you that if we're going to weight everyone's opinions and god's opinion is included in that right that his should be the weightiest of all opinions Shouldn't what He says about you since He made you, purposed you, created you, designed you, purposed you, shouldn't His opinion about who you are matter than yours does about you? Well, I feel like it should. And just because you might have low thoughts about yourself, it doesn't change your value to God because He kind of values you differently. I think people oftentimes, they undervalue themselves. 
They define themselves by what they're not good at. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. I'm not good at anything. Yeah. Were you constantly undervaluing yourself and that constant repetition of negativity is probably why you're not really stepping out more into the things that God has got for you because you're just constantly cycling around what you're not good at. But I'm telling you, everyone's got a gift. Everyone's called to do something. You just got to figure out what that thing is and then step out in faith. You get me? So whose opinion matters most? Well, certainly not yours, right? Look at the person next to you and say, not yours. Yep, look at your second choice and say, not even yours. Yeah, yep. You are handmade by God, designed with purpose and intention. Now listen to the next part, because this is important. He says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. That phrase, depths of the earth, it means womb. It means God intricately pieced you together and, he, and he's, he's putting the parts of who you are, your frame and everything, He's putting it all together in the secret place. I remember years ago, um, Pastor Sarah calls me up. I'm working in recruitment at this stage. I'm working in an office surrounded by people. I answer my mobile, but I'm trying to work, you know, and uh, didn't want to take too many personal calls. Hello. Um, and Sarah's like, hi. And I'm like, hi. And she goes, I've got something to tell you. And I'm like, all right, what is it? And she's like, I'm pregnant, right? And I'm like, why are you telling me this while well, I'm at work? Could this not wait six hours? Like, because I'm at work, what am I supposed to do? You know, like, I can't stand up and celebrate. And, you know, like, we're trying to keep this thing a secret, right? I find out and I, I'm, I'm sitting there and I go, well, that is wonderful news. And we will discuss it when I get home. You know, like, because, <laughs> you know, what, I, I don't want to give it away to everyone. We want to tell people that we care about. You want to tell our, our family and all these other people first, you know. So, so it's a total secret to me. I didn't know. I mean, I understand how babies are made, but I didn't know that one was made, you know. And, and, and so there was one that was being... Guys, it was being woven together. Come on, back to the message, right? <laughs> it was being woven together in the secret place. Total secret to me, but never a secret to God. Not a secret to God. He knew, He saw, He planned, He purposed. There's purpose and destiny on Judah's life. I didn't even know He existed, but you know what? God knew before He even existed that He was going to be there. You are handmade by God, designed for plans, designed for a purpose. So listen to the next part. He says, your eyes saw my unformed substance. The Hebrew word there, golem, it means, refer, or refers to a formless mass. In other words, they're actually talking about an embryo. He says, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Right now, what are we talking about? All the days were formed for you and me before there was even one. We're talking about the sovereignty of God. Yeah. All right, so He knew, He plans, He purposes. What's the sovereignty of God mean? All right, let me try to explain it like this. He controls every atom in the universe and what happens next with it, like every day. Like He knows everything that's gonna <laughs> unfold, which is pretty remarkable. Now I, I say that and some of you are gonna be totally challenged by what I just said. 
And it's not uncommon when we talk about the sovereignty of God, because I just told you He loves you, He planned you, He purposed you, and He's over in charge over everything. And you're like, well, if that is true, then why did things unfold in my life the way that they did? Because you're trying to wrestle through an experience that honestly was so difficult. You're like, how could that possibly be, you know, the, the, the plans of God? Where was God in all of that, all right? So what are we saying? Well, God planned every single day, all right? But what He also does is He works in and around and through the sinful choices that people make, all right? Now, what happens when we talk about the sovereignty of God is that people say, okay, He's in charge and if He's sovereign and controls everything, then we don't have choice. No, that's like fatalism and we wouldn't say that. And then we'd say, okay, well then we make choices and He just tries to make them work. No, that's not right either. What we have is a merging of the two. It is God is sovereign and in charge and at the exact same time, in a way that we don't understand, we are totally responsible for our own decisions. That's how He is in charge and holds us accountable at the exact same time. And you say, I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. I know you're not God. (laughs) Some of you just went, "Mm." (laughs) like, you're not. So I think we've, We've established that because when we start to say that's impossible, why? Well, I don't understand it. What we're really doing is saying, God, um, you couldn't possibly be doing something that I don't understand, right? Well, I think we just established you're not God. You don't have to understand everything. It's, what do we call this? We'd, we'd probably call this cognitive dissonance. Two equally opposing thoughts that we both hold in contention. They're both true and they seem to say the opposite. And yet that is exactly what the scriptures seem to point to. So when we're trying to figure out, okay, so God's in charge. Well, how does He think about me? How does He feel for me? What does He want for my life, right? Oh, He wants you to be loved. He wants you to have life. I'm telling you, God is all about, He's all about life. He actually sent Jesus to defeat death. He wants the absolute best for you. That's why He actually gave you the Bible so you could read this and start to make decisions in a line with this. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Right, because God is not responsible for blessing every decision you make, just the ones that you make in alignment with His Word. So He gives you this and He says, follow it. And you start to follow it and then God's got something to actually bless. Now, I know that life is sometimes unfair because sinful people make poor choices and sometimes that means that you suffer. But guess what? You're actually one of the people that do that too. Because you're not perfect and you're not that holy. All right. So not only does God do that with other people's bad choices, and, and mistakes, He's actually doing it with yours at the same time. And in the middle, despite the fact that you make all of those mistakes, God still found a way to love you despite all of your flaws. How do we know that? Oh, the Gospel. The Gospel. If I'm going to take my cue from God on how He feels about me, I look at the cross. Right? What does the Scripture say? God loved the world in its broken, sinful state. He loved the world so much, He sent His only Son. Whoever believes in Him won't perish, but have eternal life. Jesus was not sent into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world would be saved by Him. He wants to save the entire world. Why? Because He absolutely loves the entire world. Right? And, and, And this is, guys, this is good news. The gospel is the greatest, most encouraging news that we could possibly have, right? 
that yes, we've made mistakes. Yes, we have flaws, but He still feels this way about us. How does God feel about you? Listen to the last two verses that I'm going to read to you. This, and this should blow you away. Psalm 139 verse 17 says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Have you ever been to the beach? Do you know how much sand is on the earth right now? And we look at this and it says, His thoughts are more than the sands on the beaches and all around the world. That's how much God thinks about you. Not someone else, you. Not people that lived in biblical times, you. God thinks about you. God cares about you. God loves you. Look at the person next to you and say, yeah, you. I like it. Someone had a real lot of sass down here. That was good. Yeah, God cares about you. You are loved and thought of daily. Why? Because you are precious to God. Why are you precious to God? And if you're trying to figure out what makes you valuable to God and you go back to the things that Paul was thinking about, like how good you are at this and how good you are at that. And we could get really crazy and look at how successful you are and how intelligent you are and how good you are with other people and how you really love others, right? I'm telling you that all of those things would be a bad idea because those things can be taken away. Listen, whatever you get in this world, you can lose in this world, right? So if you put your value into anything that you can get here, it can be lost to you, all right? So all the stuff like that I just spoke about, you, you could lose it. It could be taken away. You know, the, the, the bank could repossess your house and maybe that's the thing that gave you status in your community, right? Or maybe it's an awesome car that you've got. Now, I know it sounds ridiculous. Guess what, guys? The world is filled with people that do this very thing and they put their value in stuff that's what? Shifting on stuff that can be stolen, taken, broken, right? And this is where it starts to get complicated. I said, I said that this series is about a simple truth to a seemingly complicated question of who you are. So, so what is the simple truth? Well, here it is. If you put your identity into anything other than Jesus, it will fail. It'll fail. It'll break down, it'll disappear. Someone could steal it, it can be taken. So you start to whittle it away and you go, well, if I can't put my identity into any of those things, where do I put it? All right, you put it in the one thing that can never be taken from you. It's the love of Jesus. That's the weighty opinion. Amen. It's the love of Jesus. It's unbroken. It can never be taken. No one can steal it from you. I could take you anywhere, drop you in the middle of the desert, far days from anything, and it would still be there with you. No one can ever take the love of Jesus away from you. 
Where's the safest place that you could put your identity? Not into something that's shifting, something that's moving, something that makes you feel important, right? You put it into the one who determines your value and says you are completely loved by it. Your identity is in Jesus and that's what He says to you. He says, you are loved, you are chosen, you are precious in my sight. Isn't it amazing that He would choose you and me? That He would choose us or any of us? That He would place value on us? But that's what He does. He's the Creator and Paul the Apostle figured this out. So well, that Scripture I read to you before, He lists all these things, which is like a resume of resumes. This is like an unbelievable guy. He's got all of this stuff going for Him. And He figured out that all of it wasn't really worth that much. He continues, and I'll read it to you right now. Philippians 3 verse 8 says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. All the accomplishments, all the, the Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee from the tribe of Benjamin. Wow, wow, wow. Who cares, he says. That might have made him look really amazing to the culture that he was living in, but Paul didn't determine his value based on the culture that he was in. He got it from somewhere else. You see where he got it from. He goes on to say that I may be found in Him, not having a righteousness that comes from of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. What? That's where he gets his value. That's where he puts his identity. That's why Paul says, I've learned the secret to having a lot, not having much, you know. You look at Paul's life, shipwrecked, abandoned, went through the craziest times and all of that, he's like, my soul is intact, right? I, why? Because he knows who he is in Christ. Do you know what God does for you? He loves you right where you are. He loves you. So read Romans chapter 5. It says that. We were in our sins when He came for us, right? So we didn't earn the love of God. Do you know what the Scriptures say? We only love Him because He first loved us. Amen? Amen. He loves you, dies for you, gives you as an act of grace His righteousness, calls you Loved, and then because of that, says you're now perfect. Are you kidding me? This has got to be. What's the catch? No catch. You might not feel like you're worthy of that kind of level love, <laughs> but that's just an opinion. It just happens to be yours. See, the value on you is placed by Him, He's the Creator. He knows of how much value you are. And you look at the price that He paid for you, should tell me, tell all of us something about how valuable you are to Him. So here's the thing, guys. Look, you can put your values or, or, or your identity into anything. You can build on the rock or you can build on the sand, but choose wisely. Choose wisely. Now, I've talked so much about how God loves you, and that's true. I'm going to asterisk one thing, though, because it's important. God loves you no matter who you are in this room today. 
but him loving you isn't the same thing as approving of everything that you do. The truth is, he loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you the way that he found you. Or maybe even today, the way he's finding you right now. Every single one of us, we are, we are transformed by the love of God. Our hearts begin to shift and orientate towards Him, right? Now, you are still loved, but it might require some transformation to get into a relationship with Him. If you're not a Christian today, everything I said, it still applies to you. You are completely loved. You are still chosen, right? But the thing that you need to do is to choose Him back. And that's something that every single one of us has to do. We're loved by God. Amazing. We still have to choose Him in our lives. And when we do, it starts to shift us and mold us and change us. I'm going to tell you about that in the coming weeks. But why don't we do this right now? Why don't we stand to our feet? Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.